0: What is up, OU fans? Your host, Noah Ifrigan here, and we are back for season two of the podcast, talking to the best and brightest minds in business to unlock more opportunities together. And I could not be more excited with how we're starting off season two. This episode features legendary entrepreneur and friend, Andrew D'Souza, co-founder and CEO of ClearCo, formerly ClearBank. They just rebranded it in the last week, which makes this an especially exciting episode. Andrew founded this company with another legendary entrepreneur out of Canada, Michelle Romano, in 2015. You might know them from their 20-minute term sheet. They are a VC company absolutely changing the game using a revenue-based funding model, not taking equity in their investments, and also AI-driven lending. They've invested more than $1.5 billion in over 4,000 e-commerce and SaaS companies. And as I mentioned, they just recently rebranded from ClearBank to ClearCo and officially gained unicorn status now worth over $2 billion. Before founding ClearCo, Andrew worked at McKinsey and led other amazing tech companies to success like Top Hat as COO and CRO. He's an advisor at Wealthsimple and Kick Interactive, and overall awesome guy. So excited to kick off season two with this interview. Let's do it. Season two of Opportunity Unlocked starts now. Andrew, it's uh, it's great to have you on the pod.
1: Great to, great to be here, Noah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me.
0: So you know, before we start, I, I have to state my fanboy status for ClearBank. I'm a huge fan, um, not only of the mission of what you guys do for founders and you know, giving access to capital to capital for you know a lot more founders than before, but also just for the impact you've had on the Toronto tech scene. I think what you guys are doing and have done is is awesome.
1: No, very, very much appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly, it's, it's been a mission um, of both mine and Michelle's, uh, and and you know, our whole team. Um, everybody in the company is a founder in some way, and uh, we really we try and hire entrepreneurial people. We hire people who are former founders, future founders, uh, and uh, and they really resonate with with the mission of the company. And so, um, I appreciate the kind words, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Um, you know, not. Well, well beyond what uh, what, what I do um, and and a, a ton of really hardworking people here.
0: love that. Um, I love to hear that. So you know working with Michelle Romano as well you guys um, you guys have accomplished a lot of it as a company so far and as you mentioned, you know it's a, it's a whole wide company effort which I, I very much respect. So you you've just released a new product. Um, you're constantly announcing new partnerships. things must be moving at a million miles a minute right now. How are, you, how are you doing? How are things? How are things going lately?
1: Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a busy year, for sure. Um, you know, 2020, COVID COVID has been hectic. It it really forced us to rethink our, you know, how we operated as a company, but also, you know, I think recognize that there were there are a lot of entrepreneurs especially now in in um in sort of a a post-pandemic or through-pandemic time that you know they're starting they're not starting restaurants and coffee shops anymore entrepreneurs are are starting e-commerce businesses they're starting software businesses and um and they need a partner they need help right and and uh, there aren't many options out there i think um you know banks have a large like struggle with with uh, figuring out how to how to Lend or provide capital to these customers. VCs are a great option, but they're very difficult to access. And if you're not, if you didn't already weren't already part of a VC sort of network and ecosystem, it's very very hard to break in. Um, so even when you see a lot of you know great funding rounds being done, those are companies where you know they already had those relationships, they knew the investors, um, or at least they were known entities, and they they got warm introductions to those investors. And so so it's really great for the sort of one percent of the one percent. But you know there's millions of founders around the world. Um, that are really trying to, uh, you know, tr- trying to get started and we want to be their partner, not just for capital, but, um, but with, you know, access to advice and our network, um, and really do that use technology to do that at scale. Uh, uh-huh.
0: you, know, you know, what I find especially awesome about that is the results and the outcomes when it comes to, um, the diversity of founders that you guys have invested in, right? Because you're using sort of a more data-driven model in some sense, Ultimately, you've invested, I mean, the stats, you know, some of the stats I've seen is, is eight times more female founders than industry average invested by ClearBank, um, which, you know, I think is incredible, both from, you know, actually actually doing that, actually taking action when it comes to diversity and inclusion, but also demonstrating the fact that, you know, if with the data, it's the data shows that you guys, that, that ultimately the, the value is there. It's more the bias that is getting in the way.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's it's harder for certain types of founders um to to overcome some of that bias or just to break in, right? And I think, you know, female founders is one great example. And we didn't do anything different, right? We just said, look, you know, come to us regardless. You know, it doesn't we don't care what you look like. We don't care what school you went to. Um, you know, we don't care how you got introduced to us. We we'll look at the fundamentals of your business. And there's some, you know, there are a lot of people that are creating great businesses. You know, beyond the eight times more women's stat. We funded we funded uh, founders in every state in America. I think um, there were nine states last year that got zero venture capital last year, and eighty percent of venture capital really goes to to entrepreneurs in four states, Um, maybe five now with everybody moving to Miami. But um, but it's still you know very geographically concentrated, and I think we we believe that entrepreneurial talent is is you know globally um, globally distributed, right? Even in the UK. I think we've seen seventy percent of the capital go outside of the London ecosystem, which is probably the inverse of um, how venture and and traditional finance works. And so, you know, I think this is—it's pretty exciting because now in in today's world, you can build a great business anywhere, um, and you can be based anywhere, and you can hire people anywhere. But ironically, you know, in order to finance that business, you often need to go to the hubs, or you need to be connected to those those major financial hubs. And uh, and we we really want to sort of you know, reverse that and 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 you know, unbridle people to be able to to live the life that they want while while building the business that they want. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, it, it's coming at a perfect time. And um, I also want to talk about Clear Angel here because yeah, I it's it's uh, opening the door even wider to founders who didn't necessarily have the the size and the growth and the revenue um that the 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 initial clearbank product offered and now you guys you know you're offering those founders as well um the opportunity to get get funding and also a platform for for advice as well and, and and guidance
1: yeah so so it's interesting the the original clearbank concept started actually we we were looking at a lot of the companies that Michelle saw at Dragon's Den and they had product market fit they knew their business model they knew their unit economics they knew you know a dollar in into marketing or inventory creates more than a dollar out over a fixed period of time. They had it all figured out and they just needed funding to to continue to grow and and sort of operate the machine. And so that was that was the original clearbank product was hey, once you figure things out, once you've been in business for you know 6 plus months or you've got you know, you're doing more than $10,000 in monthly sales and you really have a uh plug and play repeatable business model we can fund you and we'll give you $100,000 we'll give you $20,000 or $200,000 whatever um, in exchange for a percentage of sales until we get that money back plus 6%. The challenge is we've we funded 4,000 companies you know 1.6 billion dollars on that model. Um, the challenge is we've probably said no to 50,000 companies because they didn't they hadn't quite figured out their business model. They didn't know you know, they. You know, some days were great. Some days were tougher. Some days they got a great return on their their marketing spend, and some days they they weren't able to repeat it. Um, and so, or they were just, you know, they were pre revenue and just getting started, and and uh, they they needed, you know, more than just capital. They needed a partner to help them figure out what are those first few steps. How do I avoid the major mistakes that people make? And we've seen close to twenty five thousand companies now, um, and so we're actually able to. Use all of that data and figure out okay what's the right playbook. If you're building a certain, if you're building a fashion company or a shoe company or a pet food company, um, or a mobile app, what are the first few things you need to focus on, right? And and then how do you figure out you know what you need to do to get to a certain level of scale? You know what are the connections you need? You know how do you think about you know having a marketing agency versus like which law firm do you use or which accounting firm do you use? Um, do you need to do a strategic partnership? Do you need to negotiate a deal or negotiate with your suppliers? Um, and we've, we've been able to do that. And we've got a team that basically helps these companies, you know, scale. And what we're really trying to do with Clear Angel is kind of create what Y Combinator does for, you know, the 99% uh, or 99.99% of founders who aren't going to get into Y Combinator, um, but really do that over a much longer time horizon. And so we make an investment uh, up front we take instead of taking equity because um, we know not all these companies want you know to give up equity or want to sell their good business or raise more equity. Um, we take a two percent rev share for four years. So our goal here is to help those companies scale um, you know pretty meaningfully over those four years. So it's not just a three month program. We're going to be your partner um, for four years and hopefully much beyond that. And um, yeah, that's you know that's the the goal of the program and it's continually evolving. We're we're taking feedback from our uh, our entrepreneurs and founders and uh, And continuing to hear back from them and 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 build more and more services and and uh, and offerings for them
0: I love that and you know the the stories of clearbank funded companies are are really incredible and you know on your website and all over all over the internet so uh, I think it really goes to show the the impact you guys are creating in terms of allowing entrepreneurs to do what they want to do um, without making too much of a sacrifice in that yeah. sense um okay. so you know, I could, man, I could talk about Clearbank for hours, don't get me wrong, but I want to I wanna talk about your story a little bit. I want to dial it back, uh, dial us back in time and, you know, talk about the, the period of time in which you had just graduated Waterloo, you studied systems design engineering, yep. and you made the move to SF, right, to the hub, as we were talking about before. Um, and, you know, you started working there and ultimately made the move back to Canada uh, because of advice that, um, a, you know, a very, very cool friend of yours, Chamath Palihapitiya, at least you might have been one person who gave you advice, gave yeah. you, which was that Canada has a lot of uh, potential when it comes to technology and innovation. I want to hear about your mindset at the time. Like, like what, you know, what were you aiming to do? What were you looking at? Um, what were the goals?
1: Yeah, no, it was interesting. So, you know, I yeah, I graduated engineering. I'd worked for McKinsey for a couple of years in Toronto and I, I realized that I was never gonna be a con- life lifelong consultant. Um, I love building, that's why I studied engineering. And I was actually gonna go to New York um, and work for uh, one of one of the McKinsey clients when I met Jamath. And he was probably 10 years ahead of me in school and and he was running growth at Facebook, but he was gonna leave soon and he he sort of convinced me to come down and join a company he was on the board of. Um and uh you know, it was it was super eye-opening for me. I, it was the first time I had to do cold call, you know, sales. Um, I was the only salesperson on like a five person company. And and so I was the only person doing anything, you know, related to revenue generating and, um, you know, not, not just coding. And, uh, and it was great. You know, it was a ton of pressure. Um, I loved it. But I'd say the biggest realization for me when I was living in, in San Francisco was, you know, the, the entrepreneurs that I met, that I had read about, you know, the founders of Instagram and Dropbox and Slack at the time, and they were all different companies. They were, they were, you know, most of those companies had pivoted. Um, Dropbox was, I think, the same, but but Instagram and Slack had pivoted from other businesses. Um, but I met them, and I'd heard all these great things about them. And when you meet them in person, they're not that different than my friends, you know, out of Waterloo or my friends in Europe or anywhere else that were starting companies. Um, other than the fact that, you know, they had access to capital and they had access, you know, with that came access to a network and media attention and all of that stuff. And so a big part of my mission was, you know, could I, could I help more entrepreneurs get access, um, you know, to all of those things, you know, and, and can we, could we spread what made Silicon Valley special to the rest of the world and, and, you know, starting with Canada and, and, uh, and that was the reason why I ended up, I ended up joining uh, top hat um when uh, when they were looking to expand and a big part of my job was help them raise money help them raise their profile help them recruit you know globally and and scale that business and uh you know and, and it, you know that company's still still doing really well and continuing to grow yeah
0: awesome awesome company 100% yeah,
1: yeah. so so i think a big part of it was you know how to like and and that's been sort of my mission for the past 10 years uh was you know what would happen how many more entrepreneurs how much better would the world be if you didn't have to move to silicon valley or fly to silicon valley or be able to get get a connection to a silicon valley vc to start your business um and you know that was uh that was a big part of the mission and that's that's a big part of you know why we ended up starting clearbank too
0: mm-hmm. yeah so very much aligns with exactly what you're doing today and um so, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit and the support for entrepreneurs and founders that has ultimately become your mission. You know, you started out in consulting, right? So what was ultimately the decision to to go to start out you know, at the entry level uh, in that direction?
1: Um, to start out in consulting? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it was kind of um, – I was – it was like this – short attention span uh, that I always had. Like I, you know, I studied co-op. I was in a co-op program in school. So I, every four months I would switch what I was doing. I was going from school to work and then a different, you know, a different school semester, a different job. And uh, and I think that just kept my brain interested. Right. And then, you know, when I met the, the folks at McKinsey, they were like, oh yeah, this is just an extension of that. You know, every three hmm. or four months you try something new. Uh, and I thought that was kind of a cool, you know, cool way to continue to learn. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. Um, and I thought it was a cool way to continue to, to, to learn. I think the big difference, though, and this is probably the biggest difference between consulting versus even my engineering jobs, was I never really felt like I was building anything. I never really felt a, te- a sense of accountability and ownership. Um, I learned a ton in a short period of time. I learned how how fast and how productive you could be, how much work you could produce you know, in a 24-hour period um but i uh sounds like some grueling hours it was yeah i mean definitely you know i definitely had a project where at least for three or four months i would show up at the client site at 7 a.m i'd probably get home at 2 a.m and i just rinse and repeat six days a week so it were we had some i had some tough uh you know definitely some tough tough uh hours but look i mean not that different than a lot of entrepreneur you know entrepreneurs face in their early days trying to get their businesses off the ground um so i think that uh you know i think it definitely it definitely um taught me a lot but i think ultimately i wanted i wanted to actually own the result right if i made a recommendation i wanted to be the person who if that recommendation was bad it was on me if that recommendation was good that was also on me and and that was never something that you could get um you know as a as a as a consultant
0: mhm and and did you still feel like, even when you were a consultant, you still felt like an, an entrepreneur at heart? Or was that something you may have realized later?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I, it's funny. I'd always, I've always been, I've always done entrepreneurial things. Like I'd always, you know, even like in my neighborhood, I figured out how to like, like, you know, I'd started a tutoring business. I started a dog walking business and like a bunch of different, you know, different things there. Um, in In school, my friends and I were always trying to think about you know, what, what types of businesses to start. And we were kind of kicking ideas around. I just never thought that I could, like, I I had no idea how to actually start something, like start a real sort of company and a venture where you could employ people and raise money and things. Um, And so I always thought it would be something that would be like, it would be Fun to do, it was like important work in the world, but I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur and as a founder um, until I moved to San Francisco and I kind of realized that like oh these people aren't that different than me um, and that's when I started to get more and more wrapped up into the into the um, into the startup world and and so um, you know I think I think just seeing successful entrepreneurs meeting successful entrepreneurs and then realizing like they're really not that different. they just took the plunge and they made a bunch of mistakes along the way. Um, really gave me a ton of confidence in in uh, in starting my entrepreneurial journey
0: mm-hmm. taking the plunge though ultimately that that initial leap of faith not so easy right
1: no it was tough um you know it was it was definitely a tough uh a, yeah especially and like you know i'm I guess there was a couple of stages, right? I joined a I joined a very early stage company, but they had great investors, and you know, and Chamath was backing them and things. So that was a bit of a plunge, leaving McKinsey and joining like a you know four or five person startup. Um, but it still wasn't the same as like being the ultimate founder. That actually took me another five years, and um, mm-hmm. that was you know two more companies after that. Um, and going through it was interesting going through the process of raising money for Top Hat, and then I did another company called Nimi, a hardware tech company. Which was, which was, uh, you know, had a ton of promise, a ton of potential. Um, They brought me in to help them raise a round of funding. Uh, We raised a great round of funding, but we probably, you know, I think we picked the wrong set of investors there because they had a different, uh, different vision for the company. And they, you know, after one board meeting, they sort of said, "Look, we're going to bring in our own management team and and take this company in a different direction." And at that point, I was like, "Oh, like that's what the cost of ownership and control is, right?" Uh, And Mm -hmm. You know, you don't actually run your business anymore if you if you give up too much of it, um. And you know, I came came over to Michelle and I was like, "Hey, Michelle, I think I just like lost my job." (laughs) What do I do now? And (laughs) she's like, "Oh, great, we're going to start a company." (laughs) And uh, and it was terrifying. I I think I probably wouldn't have. I probably would have looked for another job or something, and maybe at another startup. But I don't think I would have actually started something if if uh, if she hadn't been like, "No, no, no, like we're going to do this. We're going to do this together." And you know, you've got everything that it takes to do it um, it does take somebody to sort of really bet on you. Um, and, and, and really, I think there's a couple of things, ingredients that you need, right? Like, um, knowing that, like, you've got the right skills to go and create something in the world that you care about. Um, you've got the right team to go do it and that, that your team is better positioned than, you know, anybody else or most other people to go and do this. And then probably the most important thing is like, actually, having the conviction that like you are willing to you know work those same crazy hours but on this mission even when it's not working, even when you know things like when you're getting like punched in the face over and over and you know no your customers don't want your product no investors want to invest nobody wants to join your company um, you're like no 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 this needs to exist and look we've been through this at Clearbank many many times was like in the early days, nobody you know nobody wanted to invest nobody wanted i mean like we, got, we were able to raise a seed round because because pe- people you know wanted to back us but then um but nobody wanted to give us you know debt capital um for us to actually fund you know the so that we could raise a couple hundred grand to sort of like start the company but nobody wanted to give us any any meaningful debt capital cuz they like you'll lose all the money right in, in on wall mm-hmm. street um, and so that was really tough hearing that this would never work and lots of people have tried and failed Um, recruiting people, you know, recruiting friends and people that I've worked with for years. And they were like, look, this is just seems too risky. I don't know if this is going to work. Um, you know, I'm going to stick with my current job. Uh, that was tough. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, and then, you know, just the, you know, trying to figure out like, do customers really want this? Can we find the customers? All of that stuff. Um, it's never a straight line. And I think that's one of the hardest things is finding that, that thing in the world that you're like, no, I, I have enough conviction and passion about solving this problem that I'm going to go through the you know months and months and years of of struggle um, to see it through on the other end, right? Because I think mm-hmm. if you don't have that, then you know the the challenges are just going to you know you're eventually just going to give up um, because you know there's not something that's bigger that's keeping you. Like for Elon Musk, it's climate change and it's like saving humanity and colonizing Mars. <laughs> right? Everybody's got their own version of like, what gets them out of bed in the morning allows them to do extraordinary things. And if you can't really articulate that, um, and you're just doing a startup to do a startup, then it's probably not going to work out once you hit the first sort of roadblock.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it feels like when, whenever you hear the story of a successful entrepreneur, they always, they always, you know, share their stories in which things weren't going so well, it seemed like all hope was lost. And, you know, most sane people wouldn't go on right, but it, it's funny because you know I only know you i 've only known you as long as you know you've clearbank has has had success, and it's so easy to to sit here, listen to your story, and still only think about the success when in reality there's so much depth beyond that that most people will never see
1: oh yeah no we we we've been through many look the mission of clearbank has always stayed the same right it's it's helping. Entrepreneurs and you know self-employed, you know people, uh, you know be more successful, right? And and we've been trying to do that through financial services and and technology and data. But you know we started with gig economy um, people. We started with, with Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and DoorDash drivers, um, trying to help them get access to financial services. realize that you know that market wasn't the right time for it, um, and we couldn't make that work. Um, we pivoted to uh, vacation rentals and Airbnb hosts that were sort of micro entrepreneurs, um, which was working really well, but Airbnb was not a fan of what we were doing and that that made it really, really difficult. Yeah, um, I can imagine. And uh, I remember getting a, a cease and desist from Airbnb one Valentine's Day, um, <laughs> which was terrifying because that was like almost all of our business and all of our revenue. Um, so, yeah, we had so many, you know, we had so many times where, um, our the current iteration of ClearBank and our product offering to our to market we were targeting was not going was not working, um, and I think that was the hard part. You know, I think you know separating the mission of the company, which I think for a founder you have to be pretty um, pretty squarely like focused on and grip onto really hard from you know the current product offering. Um, and the market that you're targeting and being flexible on that when you know that that's not working um, and just being real with yourself. And, uh, and that's certainly something that, you know, we've, we've been through, um, you know, many, many times. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and just to end off things here, you know, being at the helm of a company that's grown as fast as ClearBank, I'm sure it comes with pressures and, you know, requires adaptability. How has that experience been for you? And, you know, what are the ultimate lessons you take away from that?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think it's just in different phases of the company. Um, you know, it re- my job has changed a ton, and it's just recognizing that like I, I can't keep doing the same thing. You know, we've um, we've hired over a hundred people. We're about two hundred seventy people now. We've hired over a hundred people since COVID started. So I, I, you know, I can't can't wait to meet uh, meet that new yeah. team. A lot of them are my friends, so uh, you know oh, nice. I'm, I'm sure you like
0: them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's
1: great. We've, I mean, that's that's one of the amazing things we've hired just such incredible people who believe in the mission, and um, and we're still hiring. So if you still have more friends uh, or anybody who's listening to the podcast, please please reach out. Um, but yeah, we look we we hire incredibly entrepreneurial people, um, and I think that makes it a lot easier because you know you mentioned earlier we're doing a lot of things, right? We're trying, we're building new products all the time, we're testing new things we're, we're spinning up new ideas. We're killing off ideas that aren't working. Um, and we're recombining them into new things and we're listening to our customers. But in order to do that, we need entrepreneurial people. And so we tell people, look, come, come work for ClearBank for, you know, a couple of years or whatever, um, learn the skills. And then when you're whenever you're ready, whenever you find that thing, that's going to keep you up at night, you know, the problem you want to solve in the world, like go start it and we'll help you. Maybe you'll find a co-founder of ClearBank, maybe, you know, and we'll, we'll fund you, uh, and we'll help you get it off the ground. And, um, And that, you know, that's resonated really well. And that's allowed us to, it's allowed me to continue to scale as a leader, um, for sure. And, uh, and has allowed us to continue to do more and more interesting things as we, as we continue to grow.
0: I love it. I'll plug that one more time. You know, uh, for all those out there who are listening, ClearBank is hiring. They're freaking awesome. And uh, yeah, give them a shout. Andrew, thanks so much for uh, coming on the pod. I appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, Noah. Great to, great to catch up.